G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Thorpe is coming in. Gold and a world record. Ian Thorpe, the birth of a legend. 458 is the total, out of which Bradman has made 309 not out. It's a world's record. in test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Australia have got it! Australia is back on the biggest stage. Welcome to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Here's your host, Sam Edmund. Hello and welcome to another very special edition of This Is Your Sporting Life. Thanks to our great friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Sam Edmund here to celebrate the sporting life of a Richmond and GWS superstar, a number one draft pick who was twice an All-Australian and best and fairest. Brett Delidio played 275 AFL games as a match-winning and versatile midfielder forward who was a star at the Tigers and left a legacy at the Giants. Lids, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks for having me on, mate. You throw, don't throw around that superstar term too loosely, mate. I'm not sure about that compared to some of these other greats, but... Uh... Very happy to be on board, mate, and uh, looking forward to our chat. No, don't. modesty gets you nowhere on this program. It sits very comfortably, the word <laughs> superstar, on your shoulders. Now, let's go back to the beginning, shall we? Because you grew up in Kai, as it's known to the locals, Kai Abram, the son of Judy yep. and Wayne Delidio. You started playing footy. Tell us, when did you pick up a pill, and did you start playing the game at maybe eight years of age? Is that right? I did, mate, but it wasn't even in Kai. It was in Maribyrnong. Uh, we were living there. My uh, my pop, dad's dad, got crook, and... Uh, we moved uh, back there to try and help out a little bit. So I started as an eight-year-old for a team called the Wallabies with, um, would you believe, a pretty handy team. We had Jed Adcock, who played for the Lions, and uh, and Troy Chaplin, um, who ended up being a teammate then again at Richmond yeah. after we went to Port. So we had a pretty handy team, mate. We didn't lose a lot, um, and we won, uh, I'm not sure how many. It's the only premiership I've ever won, mate. So um, I should have cherished it more at the time. So the old man played a game at Carlton. How often did the old man refer back to that one game at, at the Blues? <laughs> <laughs> very rarely, mate. He's a very modest man. And um, he, he, the only thing he'd refer back to was how hard uh, the training was and what it took to actually to try and break in. He dedicated his life to it but, um, and was a pretty handy footballer from everyone, um, not himself, but everyone else that tells me he could actually play the game. But Dad was very um, dad was very modest. He just told me all the hard work that it took to try and get in there and, and what it was all about. But uh, lucky enough to play one game, and as soon as I got to two, mate, I let him know. <laughs> he always said, when you did get to Kyabram, the Bombers, of course, who played in the Golden Valley Footy League, you always seemed to play up an age bracket, didn't you? And I think you played senior footy at the age of... 15, which is frankly almost ridiculous, but you were best on ground in that game too, weren't you? Uh, yeah, I, uh, um, I I always wanted to play. I remember that the coach at the time was a good friend of Dad's, uh, and he said, look, mate, if you can kick this ball into the uh, into the, the shopping trolley, which is what brought all the footies out um, for senior training, uh, when I was, I think I was 14, he said, I'll give you a game this week. Um, and he was about 30 metres away. He's just thrown it away. I'm thinking, oh, it's not going to happen. Kicked it straight in. And I've looked at him. I said, well, my chance. And Dad just said, shook his head. He said, you are not playing. You're not ready yet, you know. But, yeah, I was 15 when I finally got my chance. Uh, and 
you know, I, I was wrapped. I, um, you know, I was pretty sure of myself back in the day, and I thought I could have played at 14, but um, 15 it was, and um, yeah, got lucky, mate. I got on the end of it quite a few, and um, we won the game, which was great, and I ended up playing, um, I think, about 10 games that year um, before I got called up to play for the Bushies as a bottom, bottom age. Yep, and you played, obviously, with the Murray Bush Rangers right throughout the TAC Cup, and then when it came to your time at Vic Country, you were named All-Australian there as well. But while it was footy in the winter, uh, you're you're a classic Aussie kid in the other sense because it was very much cricket in the summer, wasn't it? And you were pretty handy in the summer months too. You played for Victoria in the Under-17 National Champs and represented the state a bit growing up. Yeah, um, well, that's what most country kids do, I think. You're filling in the time. Uh, while you're up there playing all sorts of sports and uh, yeah, played uh, played cricket uh, right through um, a lot of you know the Dowling Shield and um, and then I was lucky to play in that uh, in that under 17 um, carnival. I played with Aaron Finch was my captain. Um, Mark Murphy played in that team as well, and we played against in the final. Played New South Wales who had um, Tom Cooper, who was playing at the Carnival, now playing for South Australia. Davey Warner uh, was in that. Jackson Bird as well. So, um, yeah, played, I can, uh, that's my little claim to fame, mate. I get to I play cricket against those guys. Fantastic. And the Vicks got up, didn't they? And I think, did you hit 85? I mean, you were a quick one. You were a fast bowler, but you've gone out and hit 85 in the final. <laughs> yeah, mate. I, I was um, known probably more for my fast bowling, but... Uh, yeah, batting at number nine, um, and came in and, and got a few that day. But um, mate, it was a very, uh, very healthy deck. It, um, it certainly uh, a lot easier to bat on than um, the, some of the, the country decks that I've played on uh, up in Kai, where they're you know big cracks and, and, and green tracks. But um, yeah, mate, got lucky that day. I think. And it was reported at the time. I'm not sure how much you were aware of it, but the late David Hooks wanted to get you down to uh, get a good look at you, maybe at the Junction Oval for Victoria. Was that made clear to you at the time? It wasn't at the time. Um, I, I'd been down and um, done some training and um, given a, a program called Diamonds in the Rough. Um, so a lot of country kids, and they'd go down and spend two weeks uh, down, down in the big smoke. And I was lucky enough to be uh, taken through some stuff with Matty Elliott. Um, and obviously he's a Kai boy as well. Uh, he taught me quite a bit about my batting and whatever else. But from there, I actually got to field for uh, Victoria on the MCG against India. Um, and that's something, again, that I've never experienced before, is how much the Indians love Sachin Tendulkar, mate. They went absolutely bananas when he came out to that. <laughs> um, I remember Verenda Saywag smashed the ball at me. I was at mid-off, and it bounced off my knee, and I let through a run. I couldn't believe it. I was filthy with myself. Um but uh, yeah, that was a, that was a fantastic experience. But in terms of the David Hooks thing, like, I never really found out about that until I'd already fully committed to footy, and I was, um, you know, probably only a day or two out from the draft. Um, and I, look, I, I played the percentages a bit more probably. Um, you know, there was times, don't get me wrong, that I actually wanted to play cricket because I hated footy because I was I played a poor game or whatever else. I thought, oh, stuff this, I'll go and make the change. But um, there was 11 spots in the Australian team to play at the highest level versus, what was it then, 16 teams of 40 spots. So um, I just did the math, mate. And, um, yeah, thought that I, the footy was the way I wanted to go, and I loved the game more. Uh, not more, but I loved, I probably um, enjoyed the, the physical side of it more so than, um, than cricket. Yeah, real sliding doors moment, isn't it? Because some of the players you played with and against, I mean, we, we talk and, and write and report a lot about footballers who face a choice between footy and basketball, and you wonder how legitimate that choice 
might have been, but certainly some of the names you were playing with and against would suggest that you could have gone a fair way down the track with it. But by the end of that year, uh, 2004, Richmond named you as the number one pick. Yeah, they did. They called me uh, the night before, and I, um, I I had no idea. I was, uh, you kind of got an inkling that you're gonna you're gonna get drafted uh, just through all the talk and the hype. And I'm not different to anyone else. I was certainly reading everything that was um, being put out there. But yeah, uh, Greg Miller called me the night before and said, "Mate, we're going to take your pick number one, so you can rest easy." Um, and so I was straight on the phone to to Big Ruff because um, we were thinking that he was going to go pick four to Richmond. Um, and we were talking about we're going to live together, we're going to do all this, it's going to be awesome. And then come the next day, Hawthorne went and stuffed it up and uh, and took him pick two. So <laughs> we, that didn't eventuate. We're still great mates, but uh, didn't get to play together. And um, obviously the rest is history as to what he's been able to achieve in the game. And um, you know, it's uh, yeah, mate. I, I was I was just grateful to get a chance. You know, I was wrapped to to be given a chance to play the game that I loved and. Um, you know, I knew that the hard work started as soon as I got in the door. But, um, yeah, it's a long time ago now. Don't worry. The Richmond supporters haven't forgotten that they could have got Ruffy or Buddy or any of those sort of players lit. So they, they no, appreciate no, no. The, the reminder. Hey, listen, you, you finished year 11 at, at Kyabram High School. So you still had to finish year 12. And I think you were enrolled, were you not, at Caulfield Grammar to complete year <laughs> yeah. 12. I mean, as if you didn't have enough when you played in 05, your first year in the big time. How long did you last at Caulfield Grammar? Oh, I don't know whether I really want to go into this, Sammy. Um, <laughs> look, it's, um, I, I, to be honest, I saw Andy Walker did it uh, when he was at um, yep. Carlton. And he's an Atuga boy, obviously not kind of Atuga, very close. I knew Walks quite a bit. And, um, yeah, look, I thought, oh, this might be doable. You know, I'd love to still complete it. Um, Caulfield Grammar, I knew it was a great school. I'd played footy there before. Obviously, Barry Rowlings was there as a the head of sport. Um you know, he's a tiger, tiger legend as well. So, um, yeah, mate, look, I lasted three days. Um, it just got too hard <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry, um, mate. Sorry to mate do that to you. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Look, mate, to be honest, it was, um, yeah, I, I didn't really understand the enormity of it, being a 17-year-old, not being able to drive and, and get myself to and from classes and, um, yep. and then back to training and whatever else. Yeah. And um, there was another option on the table that Richie Tamling, Lukey McGuan did. So we got a tutor to come into the club and and teach us year twelve, which was um, which was great. And um, yeah, we we did it that way. What was that like? A bit of summer heights high, or what was, what was the story <laughs> like there? Yeah, oh, look, mate, I'm not as bad as Jonah, but um, yeah, <laughs> look, I um, yeah, no, we, we we were pretty good. We um, every Wednesday um, after training, so we had a full day of training, and then uh, and then our day off as well. We'd just be there at the club and and studying um, four subjects for the year, and um, yeah, mate, it wasn't without its challenges. Don't get me wrong, when oh, all the other boys are doing other things, and you're an eighteen year old and you're still doing your VCE, but I had the two other boys there as well, which made it a lot easier. Yeah. And, we um, the hardest bit was when footy trip came around and we had uh, exams. So oh, that was, that's cruel. That was it. Yeah. So we um, I think I uh, I did okay in the exams. I didn't study out of a lot, mate. But um, yeah, I, I don't spread that around too much because I try to teach young kids now how important it is. Oh, and of course, of course. Now was my last question on this was Plough Terry Wallace was he was he good on his home economics or was he more of a chemistry man? Plough uh, <laughs> he didn't he didn't teach me much in that sense. Um, <laughs> He taught me a lot in immaculate grooming um, <laughs> and making sure I always appeared sharp. Um, you know, between him and Nate Brown, mate, there was never a hair out of place. 
I learnt from the best in that sense. Oh, I know. Well, you well and truly took the baton there, didn't you, and ran with it. Um, it's, been, <laughs> it's, it's been a fun start. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We've just lifted the lid on the extraordinary career of Brett Delidio. Next, it's all about a bright start under the bright lights at Richmond. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Great to have your company. Welcome back. We're chatting with former Richmond and GWS star Brett Delidio for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Well, Lids, you arrive, as we mentioned, at Punt Road, number one pick, 17 years of age. What sort of pressure does a teenager feel being the number one pick. Was that a real thing for you? Well, when you look back on it, Sammy, I think it might have been. Look, at, um, there was there's certainly pressure that comes with it, but I I just tried to look at it as though, look, I'm, I've been given an opportunity here and I can really try and set the example for the other young guys that are there and, and try and train as hard as I can. And I just didn't want people to think that I was just, because I was the number one pick, I was going to be given an armchair ride. So I head down, bum up, and really just tried to perform in training sessions in the pre-season and then when it comes time to play and that sort of stuff, uh, try and do what I could to uh, to hold a spot. And uh, that's all I tried to do for the whole first year was just try and play as many games as I could. I probably had a couple of times maybe where I could have um, been let go. But I think overall, it, um, mate, I haven't looked back on it and done the, the stats or anything. But, um, yeah, mate, look, I'm uh, very grateful for the opportunity to, to one start, but um, then to continue to play that whole first year. So the debut came at 17, round one, uh, Richmond lost to Geelong. I think you had nine disposals, yeah. six marks for the game. What are your memories? What was that experience like running out for the first time? Well, mate, we're, we're talking about my first game senior footy um, as a 15-year-old and I was best on ground. I uh, <laughs> come out and thought, you know, I had, I think I had five uh, touches in the first quarter or six touches in the first quarter and I thought, how good is this? It's easy, this AFL game. I'm a... Uh, you know, <laughs> Taking taking marks and um, feeling like I I was fitting in straight away. Um, the wheel does turn very quickly though, and um, a sixty nine point loss I think. And uh, you're sitting at full forward when the goals are going through the other end. It went from uh, six touches to nine for the rest of the game. It's not. Um, <laughs> it certainly wasn't a best on ground performance, mate. And the game is not that easy. Um, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, mate, it was. Um, I was just wrapped to get a taste. I, um, you know, I obviously I played in the NAB Cup um, or the Wizard Cup, I think it was back then. Prior to that, um, and had a couple of games. I remember Richie Tamlin kicking an amazing goal um, on the run um, that game, and and the crowd just went bananas. I think we lost that game, and we weren't really sure how we we're going to go. But um, after that first game, I think we went on a, like a six and one run or something like that, and we started to really play well. Um, and obviously that was on the back of um, Nate Brown. Um, mm. Through his words, being the best player in the comp. Um, <laughs> and um, and Matty Richardson, obviously, uh, dominating as well. So, yeah, mate, we, we, were, we were going okay that uh, that first 10 games uh, prior to Brandy breaking his leg in, 20, in 2005. It was there, a, it's a question we often ask, and you mentioned sort of round one, it all got a bit big on you after the bright start. But was there a moment, there obviously was, but was, can you remember the moment where you felt like you truly belonged at the level where you thought oh hang on actually I, I not I haven't mastered it but I can survive here 
it was probably, to be honest, it took me a long time to where I really felt like I could, because I was just averaging 14, 15 touches. I was kicking a goal or two. There was two games. There was a game in the wet against St Kilda. I think I had my first 20 possession game. Uh, kicked a goal and thought, you know, I can maybe um, find and start to find more of the footy. And then round 21, Mark Graham's last game, um, it was our come from behind victory against the Hawks. And I think that was the first time I played properly as almost like a midfielder, winger, um, and a little bit half forward. But 26 or seven touches, kicked a goal and thought, maybe I can do this. And I started to really feel comfortable out there and the, and the boys could start to rely on me a bit more. So I think it wasn't until like round 21 that I really, truly felt like, um, you know, I could, I could play the game and, you know, compete with the men and the best mid- midfielders and, and half forwards in the comp. The Jack Dyer medals back-to-back, 08 and 09. I mean, marvellous seasons for you. I remember 08 vividly, just an incredible, consistent run of form. You must have been immensely proud at a club like Richmond that had such a such a big and, and colourful history. To, to be named uh, best and fairest two years in a row must be something that you, you still think back on fondly. Oh, absolutely, mate. I think, well, 08, I was, uh, the end of 07, Plough challenged me to become a, a bit heavier and, and become a full forward. So I did. I got up to... 91, 92 kilos, the heaviest I've ever been, and was just going to play full forward for the whole year um, and try and just be that smaller Brad Johnson type, you know, full forward out of the square. Um, it lasted all of about one game, and I, uh, I uh, kicked, I kicked two in the first, the first uh, week, but um, I just, I don't know, I wasn't doing what I thought I could do, so I, um, I pushed up the ground more just as that half forward, and that was. The days when the half forward went up one side, the half back went up the other, and you sort of had a fair bit of free reign, mate. And I played on that for the whole year, pretty much. And um, yeah, I was I was wrapped to, to make the biggest thing for me, and what I think back um, most fondly on. Like I knew I was going, I was going to go okay in the best and fairest. I never had any idea that was obviously Matty Richardson's best year in the Brownlow. He finished third, mm-hmm. and he was dominating. Um, on the wing, but um, I had my whole family there because I thought, if I'll be okay. I think I'll go okay. I didn't know I was going to win, obviously, as I said, but um, to, to have a full table of just my family, all my immediate family and um, and, some, and my cousins as well who had looked after me since I'd come down to Melbourne, mate, that was probably the most special thing. And then, mate, when a whole crowd of 1,500 people stand up and give you a standing ovation, mate, it uh, stands the hairs on the back of your neck, you know. It's, um, it's pretty special because it is such a proud club and, and a big club. Um, with so many proud members, and mate, that was uh, yeah, that was probably the the brightest part of um, some some darker days that we'd had earlier on. Obviously, we I think we'd won a wooden spoon by then, and things weren't going as splash as what we thought. So yeah, mate, that was uh, that was that was really nice. Yeah, fantastic. And Terry Wallace, you, you mentioned there as a coach. I mean, we all know him and love him here at SEN, of course. What what was his main strength as a as the head coach? I think, um, to be honest, I've thought back about, about this a fair bit. I think player game day was as good as any in terms of seeing what was going on and being able to change his tactics or and, and manipulate the game. Obviously, that infamous one when we played Adelaide, I can't remember what year that was. That might have been 07, maybe. And we played a keepings-off game, basically. You know, they were one of the best press teams in the comp, and they, um, were, they were right up there, I think, top four. And we just kept the ball off them. I think the Bowdens would have had 100 marks between them. Um, <laughs> And that wasn't an anomaly. Uh, yeah. That was just then that day. Um, <laughs> and you know, just that memories like that. Of um, but for, for me, Plough was Plough was very good at just uh, most games. And a bit like I treated Plough like I, you know, I spoke to Plough like I did with my dad. Um, just give me honest feedback. What are you thinking? Uh, we'd speak after nearly every game. 
player used to write reports for you after every game, so you, you'd be able to read that a bit in your pigeonhole. And uh, if you had a disagreement, I'd be straight in there the next day or whatever. And he was always great to say, well, this is where I think you can improve. And he um, was very open and honest and challenging me to, you know, I learned a hell of a lot from Nath Brown, you know, in terms of forward craft and all that sort of stuff. And I, I really looked up to him. And then a little bit after that was Kane Johnson became like my mentor in terms of work rate and um, ability to, you know, shut things out, you know. But that, I mean, that's further on down the track. Um, so, uh, yeah, mm. mate, in early stages, it was very much Plough was that, um, that, uh, the head coach, father sort of figure, and then uh, and Nate Brown um, as the the forward mentor, and I, um, and also dress sense and that sort of stuff. Mate, he was very good at teaching me that sort of stuff as well. <laughs> <laughs> you were remarkably durable at Richmond, though. The first 10, 11, 12 seasons, I mean, you barely missed, and then obviously. Your last season there in, in 2016, unfortunately, was a precursor for things to come. I mean, when your body lets you down, Lids, which you'd suffered, unfortunately, towards the tail end of your career, how tough is that um, as a footballer? I guess mentally more than anything. Mate, it's actually it's tougher now, probably, when people say, oh, geez, injury plagued. Um, mm. It's like, well, it wasn't. I actually played for nearly 12 years straight without missing. And then my last three or four were the ones that actually cost me. Um, oh, mate, look, it's, yeah... I think there's two parts to it. Is that you? Um, look, I wouldn't change how I trained them or how I prepared because I think that's ultimately what gave me the career I did. But I think I could have been smarter um, those earlier days. And oh, look, I used to do every session, play every game for nearly eight years straight. Um, I'd take the odd one off, but not, mate, never consistently um, because I just, mate, we we were crap. So I just thought, well, um, oh, that's probably too strong a term. But we we didn't we didn't we weren't winning more than we were losing. So I just thought, oh, well, if I can do more, that'll either set the scene, set the standard, um, or I'll get better, and that hopefully that'll get us better. And then when it comes to off season, I saw that as another opportunity to right. Oh, well, the season didn't go how I wanted um, or how we wanted, so I can get fitter here. Maybe that'll give us a leg up. So I never really took a break. And ultimately, mate, I paid the price for that. I think um, in a non-medical um, terms, like I. I I think I paid the price for that later on in my career, and that's what gave me ultimately these these um, consistent calf injuries. But it, it's um, it is it's hard to explain that I mm. I wouldn't change it because that's what made me the player I was. But uh, if I could go back in time, like I could probably be smarter. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. But when you were up and flying though, and and firing on all cylinders, there was a running narrative at Richmond that the side pretty much couldn't win without you. There was the winning percentage narrative there with Delidio and without Delidio. Without embarrassing you, were you aware of that as a player? Because it was a, a remarkable run there for a while. Yeah, I think that came about more so um, 2014, 15 and the start of 16. That was when I first started to miss um, games. At the start of 14, I hurt my Achilles and uh, missed. Like I played round one and then Got subbed out round two, didn't play again until round six or something. Um, and I think we lost all those, um, except for maybe a game against Brisbane up there. And then there was, um, yeah, the same thing round in 2015. I think I nicked my calf just before round one. Play, tried to play round one, then missed it another next four. And then 2016 was a quad injury. Um, 16 was the hardest bit, mate, because that's where I... Um, that's where I really started to feel that um, it was like the pressure of it because I remember coming home, like reading all about this, that um, I was out and we were playing Port Adelaide and they'd hardly brought anyone over. Um, I think 
Travi Boat was missing Robbie Gray and then a couple of others. So we were like, without uh, being rude, we were almost playing most of their Scooby-Doo's and, um, and we still couldn't get the job done. But I was reading all this stuff, oh, you know, Brett's back now, we'll be, we'll be okay, we'll win this game. Mm. And then we didn't. And I, I, t- I remember turning into my street, and I think I said this probably before, I turned into my street and tears just started rolling down my face. It was just like, oh, my God, where are we at? You know, and I just started to feel the, the pressure of it all. And, um, you know, I felt like because I, I didn't have my, like, oh, I was out for five weeks, didn't have my best game. When I wasn't a 30 and 30 touches and two goals. I was um, one goal and, and 20 odd and, um, you know, limited game time, whatever. So I felt like I was okay, but not wasn't dominant, but we didn't win. So I felt this extra pressure that everyone was like, well, where were you, mate? What happened there? <laughs> that's, I think that's when it really started to hit me. And that's, I think my whole attitude started to change towards, right, I, this is, I'm not happy with what I'm doing here. Let's um, start to explore. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. It's been a fascinating chat with Brett Delidio. Next, as he alluded to, we'll get his recollections of that move to Greater Western Sydney before the 2017 season. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We're chatting with Richmond and GWS star Brett Delidio. Well, Lids, you touched on it there. Your last year at Richmond turned out to be 2016. How did the move to Greater Western Sydney in that off-season before the 2017 season come about? Well, I think, as I was saying, like I, I like that round six or seven game against Port Adelaide, I, I just I, I, was, I was unhappy. Um, because we were close in 2015, um, and we, we were actually a far better side than um, than finishing eighth or seventh wherever we did when we lost to North. You know, so I was like pretty hopeful going into 2016, thinking we, we should be pretty good here. Like we we've had another year under our belts with you know more experience and more consistency, hopefully from some of our younger players. But for whatever reason, mate, the wheels. Oh, I think Rancy might have missed the start of that season too. Do you? I can't really remember, but we we just couldn't get a goal on for the start of the year, and then. I think we started to read our own press and um, or read the press, and it just the wheels fell off, mate, because we just weren't winning, and um, it became really hard. I, okay, mate, we started to get a bit of a roll on. We were going okay. Um, I think I still played eleven games um, that year, um, but then you know I got to half time the Essendon game uh, around sixteen or seventeen, and it, um, I was actually. You know, playing reasonably well and um, feeling awesome. Uh, I went to a new role back up half back again, like I was back in like 2010, 2011, and enjoying that. But um, got the half time, just went to do a little warm up, mate, and then got a little, had a little nick in my calf, um, similar to what I'd had a couple of years ago uh, when I did it uh, before the 2015 season. And I just, I, I knew the feeling. Um, I'd felt it before. I mentioned to our physio, so they did, they rested me for the rest of that game. Uh, obviously, I didn't go back on. Uh, was your last significant game? Enough, last game for it was Richmond. My last game for yeah. Richmond. It was a win, which was nice, but it was you know really bittersweet because I, it sort of you know in my mind, like I said, like I, I knew that it was coming towards the end of the season. I knew it was going to be four or five weeks of rehab. I've already been through all that. We weren't going to play finals, so I was, I was really battling some um, different sort of emotions at that time. Um, 
So I made the decision that we weren't going to play finals. I was just going to get my calf right, and hopefully I can just be ready to start a fresh pre-season. Um, and we can see some young kids, because we, we weren't playing finals, see some young kids. Like we saw Marby Ochoa uh, make his debut. Um, young Connor Menadju played quite a few games consistently. Corey Ellis was playing. You know, Some of these kids were actually getting an opportunity. Um, I didn't need to come back and prove that I could come back and play that year. Um, you know, so I think that was how I played it out in my head, whether it was seen by the public like that because I wasn't playing. Um, I don't know, but that's, who cares? Um, so, yeah, mate, that was my last game at Richmond. And, uh, at the end of the year, Like I went back and forth, I don't know how many times, as to what am I going to do here? Am I going to stay? Am I going to go? Um, I explored a couple of different options. Initially, I tried to get to Geelong. Um, they obviously weren't aware of me wanting to, to leave, so they hadn't planned for anything like this. Um, that's how, and that's how clubs look at it. I didn't realise there was so much planning involved. Obviously there is because of the salary cap and whatever else. You can't just shift out money and, and all that sort of thing. But um, yeah, caught up with Chris Scott and, and Steve Hocking at the time. Uh, had a really good meeting with them. Their offer came back as well. We can't really um, do this um, without taking a significant pay cut um, to try and get on. So we looked at other options, spoke to the Bulldogs, um, and I, I caught up with Dimmer to tell him that this is what I was doing, that I was keen on just seeing what else was out there. And um, and, and he was, at the time, he was pretty open and honest with me as well, that he was he was pretty nervous for his own job because of how badly we'd gone. I think they, he said, look, mate, if I was you, I'd be looking at... The, the Giants had just played in the, um, the, the prelim final and just lost to the Dogs, probably one of the better teams in it. Uh, he said, mate... I want you to win a flag, you know. I'm, uh, I'm all about team success. I want you to experience what I've experienced. And I told him, mate, look, to be honest, mate, I'm crapping myself about going up there and moving my whole family up to Sydney. It just scares me. Um, I've always been a family person and um, close to my mum and dad and, and my brother and sister, brother and sister. And, you know, I was pretty worried about it. But, um, yeah, I went, ended up saying, no, well, I'm going to stay. And it, it took until I had injured my calf on a run. And I thought, oh, well, I'm... I went into the club and I was like, I think I'm going to go and explore this because I don't know whether I want to be... New thoughts coming to my head about being uh, involved in a club again. I wasn't sure whether where we're going to go and, and whatever else. I thought, well, to try for my own peace of mind and happiness, so let's go and try a new club. So Wayne Campbell had been in my ear for uh, a couple of months since the finish of the season and, yeah, organised me to go up there. I met Dave and Leon, Shorey. Uh, we all went out in the boat on the harbour, as they do to everyone they try and bring up there, they tell me now. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was special at the time. <laughs> a few beers and whatever else. But yeah, ultimately, they sold it to me. That I knew deep down that they were the best team to go to, but I was just worried about uprooting my young family at the time and, and, and getting up uh, up to Sydney and, and starting afresh up there away from all the support that we had down here. So the, the dogs obviously couldn't do it either. We know the cats couldn't do it. In Richmond, you decided not to stay at um, were there any other options in Victoria that were ever canvassed? No, not not that year. I had uh, a couple year, like years before that. But, yeah, not, nothing that year. It was only those options. I, I think because I was in contract, it was more where I was choosing to yep. um, to push push it. Yeah. And and quite amazing that Damien Hardwick, at that point, you know, fighting for his coaching life, as you say, didn't try to talk you out of it. I hope I'm not speaking out of school when I say that and he doesn't get upset with me, but it's more my mark of respect than, and my love for him is that he, he was, he thought of me that way and he was open and honest with me. And, and I'm very appreciative of that. Look, he, um, and I did, after I had that initial conversation with him, I caught up with him again to say, well, yeah, mate, I'm actually thinking I'm going to stay. Uh, and he was just as welcoming to come back as he was as to me to explore, you know. And it, 
it's it was such a hard situation. Like was, um, we, no one really knew where they stood because of the uncertainty of um, what was going on behind the scenes at the club, and also um, with what I was doing and whatever else. But um, yeah, I think they, to credit to Richmond, man, they, they stuck fat with what they believed in. You know, Peggy and and, and the chief, um, and obviously putting their faith in Dimmer and. Like the rest is history for them. In the end, the Giants obviously present a contract that's appealing enough. And you mentioned young family. I think you had a, a little girl, Miller, who's only just been born, basically. Uh, you decide to move yourself, your wife, Katie, and Miller up to Sydney. GWS were known, still at the time, I think, as the cheeky upstarts with a fair bit of lip. I mean, yeah. did you, were you on the receiving end of any of that lip before you got up there? And what was it like when you did get there? certainly was a good friend of mine now uh wasn't a good friend of mine when they first started he was a cheeky little bugger and still is a cheeky bugger but toby green mate he um i remember he i don't know whether he did or he didn't but he got uh he got like uh looked at it for he spat towards anthony miles and i certainly wasn't happy about that at the time but yeah he, he was a cheeky cheeky bugger deb smith obviously a cheeky bugger when i first got there mate couldn't be uh couldn't be more different in terms of how welcoming they were and make you feel. I think because so many of the guys are from Melbourne and, and from everywhere else, no one was really from um, Sydney as such. They go out of their way to really make you feel a part of it. And it's a bit different hanging out with, um, you know, just, just you, you and your wife and your, your little daughter when the rest of them are all 20 um, to 25 and got no responsibilities, mate. It's a, it's a different world, that's for sure. Not only that, but you were forced, unfortunately, to watch a lot of that season, weren't you? The body just didn't behave. You didn't get out there until round 20. So that's difficult for a whole variety of uh, reasons. Mate, that sucked. Yeah, that... All, when I first got there, I trained six weeks straight um, and, you know, put in a power of work and was really trying to show that I'm not just up here because I, of my name and reputation, whatever. I'm willing to do the hard work and earn my spot and whatever else. And then got my first little nick in my calf just before Christmas. Um, that didn't really go away. And um, we just, I don't know whether we rushed it or um, it just... Yeah, every time I build it back up to a certain point, I'd just get another little calf strain. I would have had seven or eight in that time. Oh. And just could, couldn't shake it, mate, to be honest. But uh, when I finally got my got my run at it in round 20, I was feeling as good as I'd felt. Um, and I played a couple of games before that. Um, played a half in the in the Scooby-Doo's and, and then I played a, another half, essentially, but it was more of a game. Finally got my crack at it and, yeah, mate, I was feeling great until just before the eve of the finals, that stinking bye week and hurt my Achilles, mate. So I carried that right through the final series and was more crippled than I would have been had I had a calf injury. So Yeah, and you played those three finals, the qualifier, the semi and the prelim, and as uh, fate would have it, you came up against the old mob in the preliminary final, of course, um, at Richmond, prelim 2017. Yeah, I've had a couple of dark days in footy, mate, and one of them was uh, around 6, 2007 against the Cats. <laughs> we got smacked by 157 points, being tagged by Cameron Ling, mate. That was a dark day, but when you're playing against your old team and all you want to do is um, perform and uh, and go really well, and you, you can't, and then that scoreboard starts to go the other way, mate. It's I, I just had a whole range of emotions that day. Like, I was... Um, yeah, I ended up feeling like I was lost out there, and I hadn't felt lost on a footy field for um, for years, mate, years, you know. But um, I just didn't know what I could do to stop the run on they had, but um, to try and change. And I was, I was just in so much pain. Like, oh, uh, I don't know whether you've spoken to people with Achilles tendonitis, but it's, it's just like you can still run, but you just just 
sharp pains in the back of your leg. And I'm like, not making excuses, mate, but um, yeah, it is what it is. Oh, fair enough if you were. That sounds like it's incredibly hard to process. I mean, how did you spend, oh, obviously, enormously difficult to get through the game, but then you, you do, the side loses, your old mob are going to a grand final. You go back to Sydney that week, grand final day itself, uh, Richmond trying to win the premiership, of course. You've only just left the club. I mean, take us through grand final day itself. I imagine you avoided the game altogether. I did, mate, yeah. And look, if I had my time again, I probably would have um, done something different. Um, but look, it's more, it's, I just took the advice from my wife and she was trying to protect me and my own mental health because uh, she could see how much I was hurting post um the loss and, and whatever else. Because, um, mate, if you could tell me that uh, that's where the tides are going to get to after my decision to leave, mate, then, um, you know, like it's... It, no, well, no one could, you know, but as I said, they turned it around and they and they, it's uh, an absolute credit to the guys in charge and the players as well, mate, that they did that. Um, but look, yeah, mate, I went to... Katie said, right, we're going to do something completely different. And I've been criticised heavily for this um, from people on social media and whatever else. But um, went to the went to the zoo, took our little girl to the zoo, Taronga Zoo there in Sydney. Um, we came back. All the time my phone was just off because I, I was just uh, obviously dealing with the little one and, and Katie. But then we thought, oh, well, it's late in the afternoon. Let's go to the park. She was just learning how to ride her bike or she's on a scooter or something. And I, was, I said, oh, I'll just shoot some hoops while I'm up here. Lo and behold, there's a bloke next to me. Um, I never hear footy in Balmain, mate. There's no one. It's all the West Tigers and uh, whatever else. But this guy's got it on in his bloody pocket, could you believe? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't read about it. So we uh-huh. uh, we go home and, uh, yeah, mate, I was um, sitting there having a look at the uh, the scores thinking, oh, well, I may as well check it. Sure, it's nearly over by now. Completely expecting, because Adelaide, well, we played them in the quarterfinals, mate. They were... Um, yeah, they, they were unbelievable that that year. Like they were just a scoring um, powerhouse, you know. But yeah. so I was at half. I was expecting Adelaide to be in front. And I'd be like, oh well, that's not so bad. Uh, at least I didn't miss out on a play. And look at the score, and I was like, oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> this is just um, so, mate. That, that just completely broke me. You know, I just had a whole brain. I apologised to my wife. I don't know how many times. And it's just like this is. Uh, I just felt like it wasn't fair. Um, and I said that on Nearly Show as well, that I uh, I just felt like I put in so much for it to, you know, to try and get that ultimate and then everyone else that's still there is reaping the rewards of the hard work that I put in. And that's a really selfish way of looking at it, mate, but that's just how I felt at the time. But um, I can't imagine anyone, Lids, who wouldn't be able to show empathy in that, for you in that situation. I mean, anyone who knows your journey, that must have been enormously hard to process. It was, mate. And look, you're still going to have the jerks out there that are just like, oh, how could you? It's like, well, mate, I'm only telling you what I felt. And that's that's all it is. You know, like I'm just, um, I'm speaking it out there to, to let people know that it's all right to say how you're feeling. Because I think ultimately, if you keep that bottled up, it only, um, it really only uh, hurts you uh, in the long run um, and causes more damage. Um, so, all right, mate, I, I'm open and honest about it. That, yeah, mate, I was, I was in a bad place there for a while. Um, yeah, my, my, some of my greatest mates, um, best mates that won it, but I, I couldn't bring myself to even um, text them until, you know, quite a few days later. And I felt, I feel really bad about it still. You know, I've since apologised and, you know, whatever. to try and make amends about that. And I, I can't explain and, and why I didn't feel that way. But no one had told me before. I said, oh, this is what happens, mate. This is what you should do. You know, I just dealt with it how I 
thought I should at the time, and rightly or wrongly, that's just what happened. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We'll be back to wrap up with Brett Delidio right after this. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Well, it's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Sporting Life, all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Brett Delidio is still with us. Well, Lids, some short and sharp ones before we finish up. Um, toughest opponent? Oh, mate, without a doubt, it's Cameron Ling. He uh, taught me a, new, a lesson on numerous occasions, and uh, I copped some of my best sprays from Plough after, uh, after having him run around from me. But they were so good as well, mate. He never saw the footy, so that was the hardest thing. Your most underrated teammate, oh, from the outside looking in, we, we don't get access to, the, I guess, the, the smaller details of what makes a, a certain player play a certain role. Was there a teammate that you had that didn't get the plaudits they deserved? Uh, there's probably a couple. He's probably got a few more recently. Uh, Kane Lambert's one that uh, really comes to mind. He's, um, you know, incredibly hard worker and whatever else. I think Nathan Foley's one that uh, stands out for me. He was incredible there. You know, like the end of 06, 07. Um, was lucky enough. He played in that that Vic Allies game and just like he was dominating there. Troy Simmons used to lay him out. And he kicked, I think, probably 20 goals from the centre one year. Mm. Um, Really underrated, very uh, very good ball winner. Axel? Most annoying teammate. Think about this one. There's no rush. Um, most annoying teammate. Well, if you're talking on the training track, mate, there's no more annoying than Dylan Grimes because he, the way he plays is the way he trains, mate. He does not give an inch. He'd be pushing, shoving, bumping, stepping on your toes. One speed? Um, just just oh, flat out, mate. Yeah, no grey. Just it's black or it's white. Um and then off the field, um, oh, jeez, mate, I've had a few. Um, Rancy wasn't so much annoying as he tried to really just keep the, the groups together and, and up, upbeat. Um, a, a teammate of mine who used to, there was three of them, or four of them, they used to call themselves the Rat Pack. Um, Sam Lloyd, Anthony Miles, Nathan Gordon, and Ricky Pettard. Mate, I reckon for three or four Mad Mondays in a row there, we'd have an all-in wrestle. Um, and it'd just be me onto those four, just having an absolute laugh. Uh, and they, they just used to love picking and, and trying to uh, get on, under my skin, those four. But, um, yeah, I, I had to pick one. I couldn't really tell you, to be honest. You mentioned Rancy. You know him better than most people, certainly almost everyone listening today. Will we see him play AFL again, do you think? Oh, highly unlikely, Sammy, I think. Yeah, I think he's pretty content with the career and... Um, and what he's been, what he's done in the game, mate. He's um, what he had five All Australians, the best and fairest premiership. Yeah. Um, yeah, mate. He's uh, he, he's always been more about life, work life balance, and I think he'll move on to something bigger and better. Well, Leeds, we've got to thank you for you. That has been a really enjoyable walk down memory lane for us. You're an incredible player at Richmond. No doubt you've left a legacy at GWS. You'll be remembered as a class act on and off the field without question, and we appreciate your time. Not a problem, Sammy. Thanks for having me on, mate. It was uh, good to rehash a few of those old memories and um, flush them out. <laughs> That's for sure. Fantastic. And thanks for your time too out there. You've been listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. And we'll catch you next week to celebrate the life of another sporting icon. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? 
Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.